Are your feelings hurt? Do you feel confused, broken, taken advantage of? Are you looking for that God-shaped peace to fill that hole in your tender heart? So let's start that over again. Hey, Mark, I'm excited about this week's episode. I know you are too. Why? Because this is the culmination of of First John. This is the pinnacle today? The, this the is pinnacle, the pinnacle. The penultimate. All this right. Is, this is it. Yeah. Well, that is exciting. It is. Well, not that we're done. Well, maybe. Not for us. It's been an enjoyable study for me. First John is, is really deep. First John is written, you know, John's language is simple, but his his material is really thought-provoking. And John covers a lot of big issues. And today is no exception. Whereas we finish up in First John chapter 5, John is kind of wrapping up this letter to, uh, to what he calls his children. And as he finishes off, he wants to write those things. Listen, kids, don't forget this. He says in verse 18, We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Now that last part he just threw in there is kind of an added thing. It's not really anything important, though. Right, because idols today are much smaller. Oh, so yeah. if they fall on you, or then physical no. injuries, probably not not likely. Yeah, you don't have to guard really yourselves from those. Not too much. Not particularly, huh? Not no. too much. They don't have many sharp edges. No. Buddhas are real round sort of idols. Yeah, and they're no. pretty easy to spot. So there's not a whole lot of guarding that needs to happen there. No, no. With the Buddha and and anything that was an idol today, I'm pretty sure we would know up front it's an idol. Because it would pretty much say, yeah. I'm an idol. Idol right yeah. there on the front. I, warning, beware of idol. Right. I mean, isn't that how it works? Yeah, we, they have to have nutrition facts, and they're not safe in California. They cause cancer. Right. So all those idols have been have been outlawed, but so we jest. <laughs> right? All idols, by their very nature, are seductive. Huh. And that, of course, is true for in our day just as much as it was in John's day. But one thing that idols all have in common is idol worship seeks to justify or allow some kind of bad behavior. That is the seduction. Yeah. That, that, that really is. I mean, think something that I want to do that I really know I probably shouldn't do. Right. Yeah. Uh, there is something out there, a philosophy that would justify it. Yes, there is. There's every flavor you can think of. <clears throat> and, uh, and the ancient religions have really given place to more modern variations of those same things. But we see, we see plenty of idols, idols of tolerance, idols of, of uh, diversity. We see idols of all kinds of, of rationalization, secularism in our day. All of those things are idols that at their core still make their appeal to mankind based on the justification of bad behavior. Yeah, so uh, in, in biblical times, we'd see the astropoles right. being an idol. And there was, uh, it, or uh, Diana slash Artemis, yep. right, of the Ephesians, uh-huh. who was supposedly great. Very great. Yes, and it caused riots. So, But what was the appeal of those things? Well, oftentimes the appeal 
of those idols was the, the, the worship itself was very sensual. There were things happening there that justified behavior that people wanted to do anyway. Certainly. But the things you just mentioned, Mark, what was it? You mentioned like tolerance or things like Those really don't... I'm not seeing the connection between yeah. between justifying bad behavior and, 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 uh, and idol worship that we would see, say, with Astra... Or Diana. It was pretty obvious back then what was going on, but maybe the connection's a little harder to make nowadays, don't you think? It was pretty obvious, but if, if you'll p- permit me to be a little morbid for just a moment. Okay. The temples of Baal in the, in, in the ancient world were, number one, the worship of Baal consisted of a great deal of immorality. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> the result of that immorality was the production of a lot of unwanted children. Mm. And those children were then brought, after they were born, to the temple of Baal, where they were sacrificed to Baal, and future temples were actually constructed over the remains of those slaughtered children. So even though we may not, you may not see Baal worship as we we travel down the road today, um, instead, we have, we have new names for the same kind of hideous monstrosities. Now we call it women's reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. Now we call it family mm-hmm. planning. Sure. Now we call it a woman's right to choose. Every child a planned and wanted child. Yeah. yeah. And all we've really done is we've exchanged one idol for another, but the same kind of indulgence hasn't changed. Okay, so you've taken it from uh, you've taken it to more of a mm, philosophical standpoint here. People justifying things that they want to do, justifying their bad decisions, putting nice little monikers on it, little euphemisms that we would say today. But you know, within the Christian community, I I, I think most people who would listen to what you just described that are listening to our podcast. Yeah. Would probably already agree with you. Yes, they would about about uh, the pro-abortion type idol worship connection. But what about some things maybe within the Christian circles that we might not have identified as idols yet, but they actually are? Yeah. Well, John lists three things here that I think uh, really make up his context before his warning to guard yourself from idols. He he talks about. Uh, in the first one, the idol that teaches that those who are born of God sin. He said in verse 18, we know that no one who is born of God sins. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, so you're saying that there's people claiming Christianity that would say that if you're a child of God, that you are destined to sin? Did you, well, maybe we wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, destined that's is kind of a harsh term, don't you think? Yeah. I, mean, I think mean, that's a little... <laughs> But, but maybe, but maybe, uh, but maybe, if they were sinners saved by grace, or uh, or perhaps if they were a guilty, 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 black-hearted, oh, black-hearted, uh, or <clears throat> nobody's perfect, or uh, maybe but by that, the grace of God go I. Maybe uh, that no one who is born of God sins. If you know, I think most of what I hear in the religious world. Accepts just the very opposite. They say as long as we're in this body, and we talked about that previously in John's Gospel in regards to Gnosticism, which we determined was still alive and well right. in our day. That that same teaching that as long as you're in this body, you're gonna sin. It's just you know try and do good things. But that that principle or that understanding is very much alive and well 
in the religious world today. So really the idol here is kind of a false humility that gives license for disobedience. I can't right? do it, man. Yeah. You can't do it. We're all in this together, though. We're all we're all not doing it together, <laughs> right? And that makes it okay somehow, right? But it doesn't. You know what? If, if once you raise your antennas to those kinds of phrases, yeah. After a while, you start noticing them. It's like recently, recently I bought a different car. I had no idea how many Honda Accord. I knew you drove a Honda Accord. Absolutely. But I, had, I had nobody. I had no idea how many of them are out there. You know? And Honda, if you're listening, I would love to be sponsored by you. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, you, but once you start tuning into those phrases, you know, is hey, as long as I'm in this body, we're going to sin. Hey, as long as I'm as long as I'm in the flesh, I'm going to stumble. Or as long as you know, I was listening to an old um, old acapella. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're actually on uh, they're on Google Play. If you can believe it. No way. Yes way. So there's some really <laughs> Ted. <laughs> <laughs> There's some cool, t- great songs out there. But I was listening to one of those songs. I, you know what? That song is, um, the song is Rescue. Uh-huh. You come to my rescue when I fall. And it's a great song. But the assumption is, is it keep on coming to my, keep on coming to my, keep on coming to my rescue. It's almost as if you're just assuming that he's going to have to keep bailing us out of our continued perpetual sin. It's per- it's marketed as being humble. Yes. Yeah. But that's really the idol, isn't it? Yeah, it's false humility. See, really being humble is doing and playing the role that God has given you to play. It's not saying, Lord, good example. Moses is not humble when he says, send somebody else. Right. God said, Moses, I want to send you. Moses, oh, no, no, you couldn't. Oh, I couldn't possibly go. I'm not nearly man enough for the job. The Lord knows what he wants from Moses. It's not humility to refuse God's purpose for us. It's humility to say, yes, Lord, that is exactly what I want to do, and that's that's what I'm going to pursue. So if he says, we know that no one who is born of God sins, it's not humble for us to say, but not me. Right. Or, yes, Lord, send whoever you want to, but I, wouldn't, I, I dare not presume to stop sinning. So humility in this case would be to say, okay, Lord, Let's say that we there is a sin that we're dealing with. Yeah. Say, okay, Lord, I I have this sin. Lord, I want to conquer this through your spirit. I want to overcome this thing. Help me to do that, Lord. Yes. Isn't that, I mean, that's... Right. That's, that's humility. humility. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But you can tell how, you know, John warned them, guard yourselves from idols. So look, that's so insidious in its result. But it's it's everywhere in the religious world. And so John is... is emphatic about that little children listen up pay attention watch out guard yourself that's an idol that's an idol there's another one out there too only one (laughs) no there's at least one more Uh, there's another one that teaches that um you never heard this one okay everyone except for hitler 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 he's the goat on every list uh Everyone out there are God's children. As long as they're striving to be good people in the way that they define good, then really they, you know, I can't judge them. You know, God's going to determine, he's going to determine where they go and, you know. And that's hard to square with verse 19, which is we know we're of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Yeah. It's so easy for people, though, to start bending that line a little bit and say, 
and said, well, there's really no, I mean, we can't make a distinction. We can't know who is of God and who's not of God. I mean, I can't make that kind of choice. I can't tell somebody that they're outside of Jesus. I can't tell them that. I mean, what? that might crush someone if I were to say, I'm sorry, you need to become a Christian because right now you're under the power of the evil. In fact, the whole world lies in the power of the evil. We can't tell them that, can we? Of course we can. How are we supposed to make disciples? If well, people, that was a rhetorical question. Right. Okay, okay, right. If we can't say, listen, you need to become one. Right. You have to make a judge. There has to be judgment. You, who are you to judge? Well, the scriptures do the judging. Right. Uh, it's up to us to believe what the scriptures say. And so in that instance, really the, the idol here that's false is the idol of tolerance. Yeah. And it's a very fine line because it's one thing to say, you know, I think that there are good people in XYZ religion. Yes. I think that too. Yep. And I think it's likely that there are people in XYZ religions that are seeking truth and are trying to find God. That's not the same thing as saying they are of God or saying that they have become Christians. Or I can't judge or... Right. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of times those lines will be blurred in conversation when people say, well, I think there's good people... I would agree with that. I would not agree that there are some Buddhists, there are some Muslims, there are some Catholics, there are some fill-in-the-blank who are going to heaven. Now, they may change at some point in the future, and we pray to God that they do, and, and embrace the gospel message and become Christians the Bible way, but then they're not those things anymore. Now they're Christians. Really? So really, the false idol is tolerance, but what it really is is cowardice. It hides it, it, it doesn't. It's it? hiding behind cowardice. Yeah. T- tolerance really has become an, an, you used the word insidious earlier. Tolerance really has become an excuse for not telling the truth to people. Yeah. You know? For cowardice. Yeah. For, I won't stand up for that, for whatever it is. And tolerance is always the sacrosanct principle that cannot be violated um, or else you'll be shouted down by the Ephesians in this in the same way in the city square you know we just have to we just have to shout it down so John is not overreacting when he says little children guard yourselves from idols this is kind of a heavy subject mark I mean I think if we beat our audience up enough a little bit here don't you think we need to maybe have some affirmation for them some reaffirming kind of open arms love I think that would be really helpful. We've got a sponsor this week that I think can really help us do that. Oh, play that ad. Are your feelings hurt? Do you feel confused, broken, taken advantage of? Are you looking for that God-shaped peace to fill that hole in your tender heart? Or do you just need a hug? Well, you found the right place at Uplifting Cornerstone Faith Orchard Community. At UCFOC, we give you that open hug, loving affirmation you desperately seek. Share your feelings and experience the warm glow of Christ's love, one long chorus at a time. Feeling a court low? Fill up on the Holy Spirit with loving hands crafted lattes, or stretch your spirituality in the Yoga Consciousness Workshop, or grow your relationships by volunteering in our Living Souls Community Garden, Sunday around 1ish, or whenever you feel led to arrive. Located in the hip, new, affluent community just east of the college campus. Connect, revitalize, heal, and donate. Visit ucfoc.org. 
That's ucfoc.org. Wow, that was that was such an encouragement. I feel better. I feel like I just received a verbal hug. I do. I yeah. feel like that was targeted just at me personally. Really? Yeah, that okay. kind of that kind of manly, you know, just it spoke to me. Something oh. inside me. Yeah, I think our assemblies could take some notes here. And uh, yeah. Okay. I, I can the two of us we should do a yoga consciousness workshop together. Wouldn't that be something to video? It, it would be. The visual you there. with your leg? The visual. You might look okay on camera doing yeah. that, but yeah. All right. So speaking of, speaking of moving on, that wasn't even a good segue. Moving on. <laughs> There's one more idol here that, that we think would apply uh, to what, what John's really telling when he's saying, children, guard yourselves from idols. Let's see if we can pick it out, okay? How about the idol that teaches that Jesus revealed in the scriptures is not God's exclusive representative? Uh, modern religions today, uh, they replace the understanding of God that comes to Jesus with kind of our own spiritual compass. Yeah, lots of times, you know, people are encouraged uh, to, uh, to kind of feel their way through Christianity and, uh, and use those things... You know whether or not uh, you know whether you felt close to God, or you know, or even use their circumstances as kind of a litmus test for whether or not they're in God's good graces. If uh, things are going right at work, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the children are being obedient mm-hmm. at home, then you know, kind of, yeah, I think I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, uh, God's, God's opening doors Moved for me. Moved into a nice house. Yeah, yeah, all those are great, but totally irrelevant to the question of whether or not we really are following Jesus. Yeah, so really what you're talking about is you're talking an appeal to our own feelings, our own emotions, our own sense of where we're at with God. And and really here, like you hear it expressed in various phrases that people would use that that really affirm to us that, well, I really am part of God. And I know that because of blank. Like one thing that you could hear is you could say, God spoke to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I received a word from the Lord, right? I'm spirit-led, and I know I'm spirit-led because I do others, things that others say are irrational. Well, there's a lot of spirit-led people then. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you, so there's an example, right? So um, having a conversation with someone recently, and they were talking about how they're more spirit-led than some of their friends are who Uh are more computer programmer types (laughs) because their friends are very rational in Mm. how they do things. Um, but this person was more, they knew they were spirit-led because they did things that their computer buddies thought were irrational. Mm. So that's got to be the spirit moving, A more free it? spirit. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. So where was this the other day? I heard uh, somebody was telling me about God's reckless love. Yes. Oh, and the I thought, reckless whoa, whoa, love whoa, whoa, of God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a song devoted to it. Yeah. yeah. And there, that, that was the topic that brought up the conversation, God's reckless love. Well, that implies that God is not thinking about the end, that God is 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 reckless, he's uncautious, he's you know, he's doing things that could be harmful, that are dangerous. God is none of those things. God absolutely loves us, but recklessness is not love. You can't you can't have careless love. God is supremely careful in his love and he loves us deliberately. He doesn't love us with no plan as to how it will affect us or affect others or even himself. He knew from the beginning. But it's that, ah, 
it's that same kind of idea. But but in when a person is talking to themselves and they're thinking about, am I really part of God? I want to feel like I'm really part of God. We trick ourselves into thinking that we are part of God because of these extra little things. Yeah. Like, well, I know I'm part of God because I do these irrational things that are reckless and that means I'm spirit-led. Or I know I'm part of God because I had a thought at 2 a.m. in the morning and I'm sure it was God talking to me. I know it was a word from the Lord. And who are you to tell me it wasn't? Really what's happened here is we're replacing the words of Jesus with our own personal emotions, our own personal, um, mm, trying to think, um, things that we value and we're using those as our spiritual compass as opposed to what Jesus said about where we're at with him. Yeah, John uses the phrase three times at the beginning of verse 18, 19, and 20. We know. We know that no one who's born of God sins. Verse 19, we know we are of God. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Verse 20, we know the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. See, in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. The message about God is communicated through the true knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we know him who is true. That's how we come to know the true God and eternal life is by knowing the Son of God who has come and through him has given us understanding. Through the scriptures. Yes, right, right. Through Jesus as revealed to us through the scriptures. That's how we know. So that we don't, you know, that's not to say that emotions are excluded, but emotions follow facts. And so what we know about Jesus from the scriptures informs our intellect and then our emotional side picks up from there and motivates us appropriately based on what we've understood through the scriptures about who Jesus is. Yeah, I mean, when I was immersed uh, in my, I was immersed in my 30s, right? So, so when I was immersed, it was a very emotional time. It was extremely emotional, but it was based on studying the facts and what was revealed through the scriptures. What did God have to say about someone in my condition? How do I know where I'm at with God? Comparing my own life with what the scripture said, comparing my conversion with what happened in Acts. It, those facts led, they led to, an, they did lead to emotion, there's no yes. doubt. And coming up out of the water was extremely emotional, right? In a great way. But those emotions don't define the relationship the scriptures do. Today, though, the scriptures aren't enough for some folks. I mean, it's tempting to to try to uh, to try to convince ourselves that we're we're being part of what God's doing because of a pre-scripted, well-produced, worshipped, staged experience that make us feel like we're connected to Him. Um, how do I know if I'm connected with Him? Because I went to the Rock and Worship Roadshow and Woo-hoo! it was an emotional experience and and everyone was swaying and I yeah. just felt really moved. That's how I know I'm connected with him. That's really an idol. Yeah, as soon as we add something to the scriptures, when we say the scriptures aren't enough, and then <clears throat> and then we supplement with whatever else that thing is, as soon as we add to the scriptures, we've created something which is, which is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, uh, it's outside of God's plan. It'd be very similar to... You know, if we if we mess with the uh, with the with the seed, you know, there's a lot of genetically modified seed out there. If you mess with it, it's not the same thing that it was from the beginning. You know, and there's an old restoration uh, um, idiom that that really is true. The Bible only makes Christians only. Mm-hmm. And if 
if you insert something else into that, a human creed, um, you know, uh, some kind of, of pretext or uh, any one of those emotional things. Emotional experience. Sure. That, 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 all, all of those. Anything that's inserted into that, <clears throat> when that goes to its fruition, you don't get Christians. You get something else. If you add, you know, if you add the Apostles' Creed to the Scriptures, you don't get Christians. You get Catholics. You know, if you add those things to the Scriptures, you get something else. In the same way, if you take something away, you don't get the thing that it's supposed to produce. You get some other, some other uh, spiritually modified organism, but you don't get what it's supposed to produce from the Scriptures alone. So, idols are subtle, and the best ones are as close as possible to the scriptures themselves. I mean, the, the idols that are, that are the most dangerous are the idols that have the appearance of doing, uh, you know, of, of uh, the appearance of, of righteousness. They have the appearance of those things. So a person can, in pretty good conscience, salve their own guilt about what they're doing under a blanket of biblical phrases and terms. You know, the extreme example is when is when uh, Aaron, you know, under his leadership, the people of Israel, having just escaped Egypt, they produced that golden calf. And Aaron's, you know, Aaron's announcement to all of them is, Hero oh Israel is the God who brought you out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoa, I mean, wait a minute. Where's the calf been the whole time? I mean, logically speaking, did anybody logically buy into that? There's no way. But they all, I mean, it seemed like they had a pretty good party afterwards. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <clears throat> But how could you make that claim that that's the God who brought you out of Egypt? Later, you know, in the, in the days of the kings, they built, an, they built an altar and they put it out, you know, so it would look like the other, but they kept the other side. So, and they would use sometimes the right words, they would use the right... But whenever you mess up the scriptures, what you end up with always is an idol. And that's why I think John ends with those three things. We know no one who's born of God sins. That's us. We know we are of God, and the world lies in the power of the evil one. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we might know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. And then he warns us all, listen kids, guard yourselves from idols. And we'll see you next time on Inner Man Radio. Radio.